0: News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. We want our tenth win. They want to be bowl eligible, so it should be a big game.
1: We're still a week from the Big Ten Championship game, but there's still a Heroes Trophy to get settled between now and Indianapolis. It's our last regular season I on the Hawks, and joining us this week is a man who just freed up some time on his schedule, Jason Dumont. Jason, appreciate you coming to the studio. Thanks for having holiday weekend. Appreciate you having me with us. Now, he just stepped down as Virginia's head football coach, but before that, Jason, you were a defensive lineman at Iowa in the early 90s. Is that right? I was from 88 to 92. 88 to 92. Great years there with the Hawkeyes, playing a couple big bowl games during that time. Now, what's your involvement
2: with the program now? Are you in Kinnick most Saturdays? Um, well, it, uh, maybe more so now that I'm done coaching. I <laughs> coaching high school football doesn't uh, leave a lot of free time. So I do make it over to two or three games. I was over at the game last weekend uh, to watch. So get there when I can. Uh, just give us an early
1: assessment. I mean, if you were to grade this team, you know, on a traditional school scale, A to F, I mean, how would you grade the Hawkeyes? Well, this year? I mean,
2: at the end of the day, they're nine and two and they're a yep. punt return away from being ten and one <laughs> Big Ten West champs. So you got to get them a pretty good grade, right? Yep. Um, but, you know, when you look at, especially on the offensive line, and losing the starters they've lost at quarterback, tight end, et cetera. You know, um, there's a learning curve there. And, you know, I know from the time I I played as a a redshirt freshman to the time I was a senior, uh, I was a completely different player. And Mm -hmm. I think you're, what I saw Saturday was an offensive line that is starting to get some games under its belt and some experience under the belt. They're not running as much zone. Uh, They're still a zone team, but you're seeing a lot of block down, kick out counters and some ISO stuff. Um, and I, I, I think you're seeing an improvement there where now they're able to, to throw the ball a little bit more. It's tough to throw the ball when you're on your back and that offensive line I think is really starting to gel.
1: I think it was Lisa Bluter actually who who said this the other day uh, when she was talking about Hannah Stolke, that you see some of the biggest improvement in a basketball player between your freshman and your sophomore year of college. Yeah. Where as a football player, do you feel like you see that biggest level of growth? Is that also between freshman and sophomore? Or is it a little bit later it, in the career?
2: It, it, it really is different for for everybody. Uh, mine happened to come uh, the bowl game of my freshman year, uh, and that's a great thing about bowl games is you you get that extra. Uh, you know, month of practice yep. uh, for some some guys, it's going to come not till their third or fourth year. But there is a time where all of a sudden, the game slows down for mm-hmm. you, and uh, it really varies for for everybody. And it's not just about being a freshman, sophomore, junior; it's about getting the snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, until you really get those game snaps, uh, it's it's um, it's difficult just to turn that switch on. And hey, I'm a Big Ten player. <laughs> and, and like I said, you know, I was. Whether I was lucky enough or unlucky enough, my redshirt freshman year, uh, I got to play a lot of football, and I wasn't that good, right? (laughs) Uh, I was good enough to be on the field, or I was better at what they had, but uh, at the end of the day, um, until I really got a ton of snaps in there and saw the speed of the game, it just takes a while for the game to slow down.
1: Now, uh, we're talking about Nebraska this week. You wouldn't have played against Nebraska in your time at Iowa, but you grew up not too far from Iowa City. One of Hayden Fry's first really big landmark wins was against yeah. Nebraska in 1981. Do, do you remember that game over there from Wellman?
2: Well, uh, let's see. I would have been 11 years old. And of course, <laughs> we grew up uh, with Coach Fry and the American Needs Farmers. And I grew up on a farm during the, the mm. farm crisis. You know, that was wow. really important to us. But I do remember uh, when we walked out of the tunnel on the other side of Kinnick before <laughs> the remodel, uh, that football was there, that game football with the score. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it, you know, it was this is a turning point in Iowa football. Mm. So, if you played football in the late '80s, early '90s, you certainly knew about that Nebraska game because you saw it every time you walked out of the tunnel to go play.
1: Yeah, uh, Nebraska rivalry still means something to you, I imagine, or uh, do, do you do you put vest much mental interest in this game? I mean, I have to imagine the other rivalries maybe mean a little bit more since you would have played in them.
2: You know, it's it's all changed uh, now with the the West and the East and the new teams. Um, Maybe it's just because uh, Iowa and Nebraska fans don't particularly care for each other usually. <laughs> very much. Yes, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, when you're looking at like Iowa State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, you know, those are the those are the games certainly that you're going to want to tune in and watch yeah
1: well the big 10 west is already settled we know that iowa will be the representative in indianapolis and no matter what the hawkeyes will finish the season as the fourth best team in the big 10. so the question was raised do you sit some of your starters to get people healthy for the championship game needless to say the term load management is not in the vocabulary of the iowa hawkeyes
3: yeah i mean i don't really see that happening because we really just we're trying to clinch up these uh you know 10 10 win season. So we really working to improve at all times. And you know, we're gonna
4: just try to constantly improve. That's what it is. There's no downside to winning another game in this game. And especially, you know, for us, we're really competitive and we really want to go out there and compete and win. And obviously with a trophy game like there's there's no reason not to play hard.
0: We know how important these November games are. And that's a, a big thing to us is November football games. And that's like the football you remember in years to come is the games you play in November. So we want to go 4-0 in November and get this last win this week. Any chance you get to go out and compete at this level, you know, you never take
3: it lightly. Um, You know, you get the opportunity to go out and play at the highest level of college football. Every game is an important game. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Every game, a chance to go and compete, get better. um,
1: It's important. Jason, Kirk joked about it on Saturday, the possibility of resting starters. We know him well enough not to take him seriously in that situation because talking to this team, you can tell that they want to reach that 10-win plateau. Is that their main motivation this week, or is it keeping Nebraska out of a bowl game? Is that going to be a factor this weekend too?
2: You know, I, I, you know their, their main motivation is they want to get their 10th win. And, um, you know, at this point in the season, especially with uh, the injuries that we have right now uh, uh, on the team, uh, they need every snap they can get. Mm-hmm. Another thing is, I mean, yeah, we're in the Big Ten championship game, but you know, um, you're, you're going to be playing in Ohio State or a Michigan or somebody along those lines. And if you don't win that game, you want this tenth win. That's mm-hmm. going to help out your bowl seedings as well. So, uh, you know, as many snaps as they can get, and. Uh, you know, you start resting some starters, I'm not sure what's left after the injuries we've had this year.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yep. There aren't a whole lot of guys left after what they've right. lost at, at this point in the year. Well, that road to 10 wins got a lot harder when Cooper DeJean went down in practice last week, out for the season, possibly done as a Hawkeye. He's projected as a first-round pick in the NFL draft in the spring. This week, we spoke with some of his fellow defensive teammates about how they're supporting Cooper through his injury.
0: He's a tough soldier. And he said he's doing well. He his family taking care of him. You know, it was, I, I feel as though it's a good time that, you know, we continue to check up on him. But at the end of the day, I have full confidence that he's going to be back, the same same old cool brand.
2: that's uh, one of the guys I'm close with on the team, so just trying to help him through the injury. It's tough to see him go down, but really just staying close. He's a big part of the team, still helping guys with film and just critiquing a little detail. So he's just been huge for the DB room especially.
4: It was hard. I mean, honestly, it was. It was hard. You got to go up to him. You don't really know what exactly to say. I mean, it's a guy who, who lives for competition, lives to be on the field, lives to try and help his team win in any way possible. Um, you just let him know you're thinking about him. You let him know you love him. And uh, just know that you're here for him and anything he needs. And uh, his career is
1: far from over. Jason, you're a defensive guy who's watched this team a whole lot. How special of a player is Cooper? How much does he mean to that defense?
2: Well, I tell you what, it's not just that. It's what he does on special teams. Um, um, as Kirk said, he, he's probably one of the best players Coach Ferentz has been around yeah. uh, his whole career. And, and listen, at the end of the day, and I'm sure this has been the discussion. There's not another Cooper Dejean walking in the door tomorrow, <laughs> right? Um, they've got to figure out a way to win without him. And um, you know, he, the good thing about football is there's 11 guys on the field. Now, obviously, Cooper is an impact player, but um, you know, at the end of the day, if they're all doing their jobs, and I thought Lee did a nice job last yep. week. Uh, I'm sure uh, Coach Parker has some adjustments. There's probably some certain defenses he may or may not want to call uh, without him in there. But at the end of the day, uh, there's 10 other guys on the field. And, you know, if they pick it up this much, uh, everything will be fine. I think really where you're, you'll miss him maybe more is on the special teams. Yeah. Um, and I think you saw that a little bit last mm-hmm. week. Uh, a couple balls got away uh, from them that probably don't yeah. uh, if Cooper's in there. But once again, that's just game experience. Yeah,
1: had that kick catch interference if that's Cooper that's on the gunner on that play as well. Maybe that maybe that penalty doesn't happen as Correct. well. How'd you feel like the secondary responded on Saturday? You Spoke about Deshaun Lee a little bit. Those guys got really tested a lot. You could tell Illinois yeah. was really trying to exploit that sure. secondary without Cooper in the lineup.
2: Yeah, you, you know, and that's what I do too. I'd go I'd go right at him. Yep. Um, a redshirt freshman in there with not a lot of game experience, but um, you know, at the end of the day, he kept everything in front of him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's been Iowa's defense for for a lot of years right now, and that's don't give up the big play. And right now they lead the country in and, and big plays not giving up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh keep in front of you let everybody else rally to the football and i thought they did an excellent job of that last week
1: uh any chance i don't know if you've ever even met cooper i don't know if you're no. you even feel qualified to say but do you think there's any chance that hawkeye fans will see him back here in a hawkeye uniform next Ooh, season or is he going to be playing in the league next yeah, year? yeah
2: i i tell you what he's he's probably a first round lock right <laughs> and uh that's tough to turn down that money exactly you know I, and god bless him for for uh, everything he's done for the hawkeyes and uh, you know, is there a better program in the country finding these these two star kids and yeah. turning them into NFL players? I don't think you, I, I I think you'd have a hard time finding more NF, guys in the NFL from another school that weren't four and five star kids. But yeah, he he needs to go get paid.
1: Hopefully the next kid that uh, maybe does fill that spot is his younger brother, Jack Stuzine. He just finished his freshman year of high school over at OADC. Freshman year? I think uh, second team All-State, a linebacker, something like that. As a a freshman. Pretty decent player over there they got again. yeah. not bad. All right, well, from number three on defense to number three on offense, over the last few games we've seen the emergence of Ohio State transfer Caleb Brown against Northwestern. Had his first career catch as a Hawkeye at the most important juncture in the game. Now over the last two weeks has caught 10 passes for 98 yards and a touchdown. Quickly becoming one of Iowa's most dangerous weapons.
0: He's just a gamer. I mean, I feel like you could line him up anywhere on the field. Even if you put him on defense, he'll be like a, a good player. He's he's a baller, and he's awesome to be around. You know, when he makes those explosive plays and big catches like that, and he
3: makes some plays in game, it just it really gives the offense momentum. You know, encourages others to also make big plays like that. So when you see a player, you know, making. Uh, big spark plays and having all the juice, it really you know, encourages the offense to keep rolling.
4: Right now, he's playing really well. And I think it's just a, a tribute to his hard work. He's really paid attention. Excuse me, he's got good ability, but he works hard. He's smart, and um, you know, I think it's, right now, it's just you know starting to, to make sense to him.
1: Well, Jason, Caleb is, of course, improving, but this offense as a whole seems to keep just taking more and more steps forward. Have you seen the entire unit start to click just over these last couple of games that you've watched?
2: Yeah, and, and you know, you, it, it, was anybody else again asking themselves, "Who's this guy?" <laughs> About three games ago, where's he <laughs> yeah, been? Exactly. But you know, he's a he's a transfer in, and like I, like I said, it, the, you don't just learn the system overnight. Mm-hmm. And my guess, is and from some of Kirk's comments there, is you know, it's just a matter of learning the system, feeling comfortable in the system, and and th- playing and not thinking. And uh, that's probably why you've seen the emergence of him getting more playing time. But yeah, uh, y- and you look at it really over the last couple of years, it's been kind of a carousel on the offensive line uh, through injuries and changes, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I felt bad for uh, Petrus uh, last year and, and then some of the quarterbacks earlier this year. Um, you know, uh, they just didn't, you, you weren't gonna drop back and, and have 1,001 to 1,003 and be able to throw the deep ball. None against the kids, they just didn't have a lot of experience. What I've seen the last two or three weeks is, um, and, and especially now with Ellsbury in there at center, making some of those calls, uh, just the game experience, I think Brian's able to open it up a little bit more, feel a little bit more comfortable about throwing some of those deep balls. And then, um, um, you know, it's just that game experience they're getting. And yeah. I think the game's starting to slow down a little bit for all of them. And keep in mind, our quarterback right now, he had zero snaps <laughs> uh, at the college level until... McNamara went down.
1: It's interesting how the season develops. At the start of the year, you were thinking that there were going to be two big transfers that make a big difference. Cade McNamara and Eric right. all... Right now, it's kind of turned into Deacon Hill and Caleb Brown are the Big Ten transfers that are making a difference for this team. Well, uh, Coach uh, Dumont just mentioned Tyler Ellsbury. The next man in mentality, that's become the mantra of the, this year's Hawkeye team. Injuries to keep players a quarterback, tight end, cornerback, wide receiver, and on the offensive line have pressed a lot of backups into duty, including Ellsbury, who's been with the program since 2020, but only now with an injury to Logan Jones has he stepped in to play significant snaps at
0: center. It's definitely been fun to be able to step in with my teammates and perform. Um, you know, obviously Logan's a great player and when he's ready to play, he'll play. Um, but, you know, it's been, it's definitely been special. You know, he helps me along just like I help him along and other things and, you know, we all work really well
4: together. So it's been a great, great, great time playing with him. Hopefully he's, he's seeing himself for himself that he can do this because I think there's a little shadow of doubt uh, somewhere in the back there. and. Um, yeah, at some point, you got to get in the water and swim, and he's done that very, very well. And it's a tough position to play. Um, so, just a lot of credit to him. He hasn't, you know, been dealt exactly the hand that I think he thought he would get coming in. You know, it's his fourth year, and this is his first year actually getting significant playing time, honestly. And I'm just really proud of him and how he stepped in at center and stuff like that. We got more to do, but obviously, up to this point, I've been really proud of this group.
1: Jason, I didn't realize this until you walked into the studio that Tyler's old brother on uh, was on your staff over there at Regina. So you yeah. maybe watch his kid's career a little bit closer than a lot of people yeah. have.
2: Yeah, watched it very closely actually. his his uh, older brother, Dustin, who played at Coe, has been on my staff over there for four years and is a great coach. So yeah. and uh, what's interesting is sometimes and and coach just alluded to it, it's uh, you got to throw him in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he's getting put in there because of an injury. And it's sink or swim. And, and he seems to be swimming pretty well right now. Um, and it's building that confidence level and actually getting in there in the fire and, and seeing your film. But I think it's more than just Ellsbury. I really think it's all of the offensive line. Uh, and then you throw in Brown and some of the other guys who you know haven't got a lot of playing time. And um, it seems to be gelling a little bit. Now, maybe I get proven wrong uh, Friday. <laughs> They're gonna have their hands full with Nebraska, mm-hmm. of course. but. Uh, Um, It Certainly, offensively, things certainly look better than they did three or four weeks ago.
1: Things worked out nicely there at the center quarterback spot because we haven't seen many issues, you know, not a lot of bobbled snaps or anything between Ellsbury and Deacon Hill, Mm -hmm. and those guys worked a lot together in the offseason. They were both kind of the number two center and quarterback, so they've spent a lot of time working together, which has proven to have a really nice chemistry now that they've had to play a lot of snaps together. Back when you were playing under Hayden Fry, was this the same approach you guys had? Did you ever have to fill in for anybody when they went down with an injury?
2: Sure, I mean, yeah, I I had both a, a start starting role for a while and a backup role for a while. And, you know, it, it, the one thing, you know, is that at some point during the big 10 season, people are going to go down, especially on the line side of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you just rarely get through the whole season. And the great thing is, and it's the culture that coach Fry built and it's the, it's the culture that, uh, uh coach Ferrance has, uh, has continued there, um, is, you know, everybody's pulling for each other. Um, you know, there's not animosity, hey, you're starting, I'm not starting, et cetera. I mean, it's always a competitive environment. I mean, if, if you're playing Big Ten football, everybody wants to start and everybody wants to be, be the guy. But at the same time, you're supportive of the team, you're supportive of your teammates. And so next, next time, that, that if, if you go down and somebody's stepping in, um, and it sounds like that's what's going on right here. You know, they're right there helping them every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what's special about the University of Iowa and, and the culture they build.
1: You've talked a little bit about the offensive line so far. Yeah. Is there anybody you see on this O-line? Because I think that all five of them could be back next year. I mean, they're yeah. gonna have a lot of returners on the O-line. Who's who's maybe the next guy that you see is maybe a top tier draft pick out of this Iowa team for that O-line?
2: Well, I don't know if you see any of that quite yet, <laughs> right? And I think, uh, yeah, um, you know, coach would probably agree with that. Um, you know, it's just going to take some time and find out. When you look at it, you know, all across the board, all five of them, they walk out on the field, and you're like, boy, all those they they've, they've all got NFL bodies, yeah, right? Yep. Um it, It's just going to take time to see if anybody's going to mature and you know, the next uh, Werfs or the next Linderbaum. Do I see a Linderbaum or Werfs out there right now? No. <laughs> uh, but once again, they're all young, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, uh, twelve months from now, they'll be completely different players.
1: Yeah, it could be having a different conversation by this time next yeah. year.
4: 15 really you know, high-quality coaches, so just happy to see Phil uh, and the job he's done for a long, long time be recognized and keep our fingers crossed on that one.
1: 25 years Phil Parker has been with the Iowa football team. The man's only worked for two programs over the last 35 years, and this week he was named one of 15 semifinalists for the Frank Broyles Award, given to the best assistant coach in college football. This week, Kirk Ferentz spoke about his very first memories of Phil when he would have been a defensive back at Michigan State.
4: When I was an assistant here in the 80s, um, certain guys just kind of jump out at you, players, you know, and Michigan State was a team I was in charge of scouting. But he was a smart player, a tough player, Uh, he was a three-time All Big Ten player. And that's really hard to do, guys throw terms around. There aren't many guys that were three-time All Big Ten. And, you know, I don't think he was a combine guy, but boy, he was a football player. Uh, I didn't hire Norm with this in mind, but after we made the decision to make Norm our coordinator, we started talking about secondary coaches, first position you talk about, and he brought up Phil's statement. I was like, let's, let's, you know, I'm all for it. Let's bring him in here. Long story short, we've had two coordinators in 25 years. You've got 100-plus players, so if you don't have a strong staff, you, you know, you're know you dead in the water. And, uh, Phil's been great as an assistant. He's the best secondary coach I've ever worked with, bar none. And now as a coordinator, he's been fantastic. Jason Newmont back with us on Eye on the Hawks. Uh, can't
1: imagine a better guest to bring in for uh, this one, this question specifically. You were a defensive coordinator for many years over there at Regina. Give me your assessment of Phil Parker and how he's been able to keep this unit so strong every year. as one of the best in America.
2: Yeah, no, I think this is a second year nominated for this award. Yep. Um, what's, I think what's most impressive, especially the last two years, it's not, it's not like he's been getting a ton of offensive help, right? So it's not like he's been getting um, 10, 11, 15 play drives um, where the defense has been able to come off and rest. there's been a lot of three and outs or or six and out type uh, uh, situations. so he's many times his defense is turning around in a pretty big hurry and getting mm-hmm. back on the field. Um, and I think if you you looked at some of the other nominees on there, uh, I looked at it briefly today. you know there's quite a few on there and it's some pretty big name schools. Yeah. So um, he's obviously very deserving of it um, and he's really kind of set the standard here. and Kirk mentions having a great staff he, You know, I remember uh, Coach Fry's defensive coordinator that whole time there was Bill Brazier. Hmm. And that consistency that he had in the staff and the consistency that Kirk's been able to have in the staff, um, I know that's got to be a pretty big peace of mind for him knowing he has them on the other side of the ball.
1: Have you gotten to know Phil at all? I mean, have you your, your <laughs> paths wouldn't have overlapped at Iowa at all, but I don't know if you've met No,
2: him. not really. I mean, I, I would know him to say hello, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been over there to some camps and been over to watch practice a few times, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to say uh, so much for this team just because this is the reason that they're 9-2 and two is the defense. I mean, the off, even with a average defense i mean this is not a nine and two team Correct. this is maybe a four or five win team at best and so yeah. the fact that he's there and he's helping this team win games the last couple of seasons i mean got to think this is, is a guy who has to be at least a finalist if not winning the award this year
2: yeah if, if he doesn't get it this year you know i, I don't know when you do yeah um uh, just because of the things i just talked about and the, the other thing that's impressive about it is uh you know obviously we've got the best punter in the country in yeah. my opinion and <laughs> Um, they get them pinned down there, mm-hmm. and, and they do such a good job of not letting them out of the gate, mm-hmm. right? So you get a team pinned down there on the 4, 5, 3-yard line. Um, they do a really, really good job of not giving up that first down play because now they get out to the 15 or the 20, and the playbook really starts opening up. Uh, and, and they just do such a good job uh, down in the other team's red zone of keeping them down there and keeping the field position.
1: And last week was a perfect example of how that wins you games because the, the special teams pins them deep and then they get a safety on defense and that ends up being a two-point game. That's, <laughs> I mean, so many times. Yeah, and, and that
2: ball, you know, unlucky bounce for us. It was this close to being a touchdown for
1: us. That's true. Yep, just nearly had that recovery mm-hmm. too. Well, Iowa hasn't lost at Memorial Stadium since the first Heroes game back in 2011. They're 5-0 on the road against Nebraska since then. Mitch Fick has Catching up with former Hawkeye receiver Matt Vandenberg about what it's like to leave Lincoln with a win. As the clock ticks down in 2013, and you finally get that win in their house too, and I, I imagine that they're getting 70,000 strong to cheer for you at Kinnick is one thing. Getting 90,000 to be quiet memorials another. What what is that moment like when when the Heroes Trophy makes its first trip to Iowa City?
0: I'd like to say that that's um, you know kind of the start of Kinnick West uh instead of like the memorial stadium but uh yeah i mean it's incredible anytime you get to anytime you get a win you know it was really big but th- there's also extra nuance to it so i had a buddy that i played high school against uh his name was nate gary he goes on to the university of nebraska and so it was kind of like uh i don't want to call it sibling rivalry but like he went to a rival high school of mine so like it was always that little added thing of wanting to compete a little harder. Um, but to, to quiet fans is always is always the best, you know, because you, you're no matter what, where you go, you're going to have the Hawkeye faithful cheering you on. But if you can get uh, everybody else to shut up while, while IOWA is going on in somebody else's house, there's nothing like it. You end up four and one against Nebraska as a kid from around
1: that area. Boy, that had to feel good, especially when you already didn't really like the fan base growing up to, to I be say, yeah,
0: out. They kind of they kind of made their bed so they had to sleep in it as far as I'm concerned. But uh, yeah, it was it and it was a lot different, you know, in 2017. So it was a different quarterback, different position. I was playing an X position, which is usually reserved for bigger guys, not necessarily my skill type, um, but just based on the personnel we had on the team, that's where I fit uh, Brian's first year as OC. So we were still trying to figure out a lot of different things. Um, so knowing that there was a lot of difference going into that game um, to put up 50 is pretty incredible. We'll have a special Eye on the Hawks
1: conversation with Matt dropping on Friday, wherever you listen or watch the show. A seven-year win streak against Nebraska broken on Senior Day 2022. The Huskers spoiled Iowa's chances at the Big Ten title game last fall. And with a Heroes Trophy hanging in the balance, Iowa has a chance to return the favor. A win over the Huskers on Friday would keep Nebraska out of the bowl game for a seventh straight season.
4: You know, these guys are a little bit closer to home for me. Um, there's some, I got some family that's from there and everything, and obviously it's a pretty big deal to this other team too. So. Uh, you know, last year didn't go our way, and especially, you know, losing one at home definitely stinks, so we'll just have to go out there and really compete and try to win one over there at their place on their senior day. i say the biggest thing right now is just to get to ten wins, you know, improve to ten and
0: two instead of nine and three. I think that's a big thing. You know, I'm from Illinois, so I don't really that, – that rivalry versus Iowa, and Nebraska hasn't really sparked anything to me. Uh, just being from Illinois, you know, last, last week was kind of like, oh, I get to play my hometown, you know, home state. But, uh, you know, it's just another big game because it's the next game on the schedule.
1: Jason DeMont back with us on I on the Hawks, as we mentioned earlier. Didn't get to play that Nebraska team while you were uh, on the roster at Iowa, but in the years since they joined the Big Ten, ha- has this game grown to mean anything significant to your family? I mean, where do they rank among the four trophy games? Is Nebraska still towards the bottom, or what would be the top one for you?
2: Oh, boy. You know, it, it a lot when I was playing, uh, it was always Minnesota. That was, Really? Yeah, well, they weren't uh, very good at the time. They, <laughs> and uh, that was kind of their bowl game. And, mm-hmm. you know, the year we won the Big Ten championship uh, – we went up there and, and got beat, still made it to the Rose Bowl. Um, and then my senior year, they kept us out of a bowl. Really? Um, so, uh, you know, that was always the big one for us. Uh, I, I think the Nebraska one has probably uh, jumped ahead of, uh, obviously, the Gophers and Wisconsin as far as traffic. Really? Okay. I think so. Yeah. I think just from, you know, um, you know the Iowa fans and, and the Nebraska fans, the, the past history that Nebraska had, obviously, when I was growing up, um, I think it probably has jumped ahead of those games as far as, and, and then, of course, being the Thanksgiving game on Friday. Yeah,
1: I think that that adds an extra factor to this game, the fact that all families are going to be together. People are really yeah. get, getting, maybe even some rivalry families are coming together and enjoying this game on the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, from a coach's perspective, how would you grade Matt Rule's success so far in Nebraska? He seems like he's done a great job so there, so far there in his first year. Yeah,
2: I mean, if you look statistic, you know, uh, record-wise, they're going to be, whether they make a bowl or not, it's going to be, uh, hopefully, they don't make a bowl and win the game. <laughs> So when you look statistically, you know, yards per carry, they were given up four to five yards last year. This year, it's two yards. Um, defensively, they improved. Offensively, they have improved in every statistical category. And obviously, he had success uh, every place he's been other than maybe the NFL. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, and then you've got a quarterback from Nebraska that's able to run the ball now. And I see they named him the starter today. So, you know, he's done a great job out there uh, starting to get that ship turned around. It hasn't necessarily shown up on the record so far. But I would say, and I think Coach talked about it uh, uh, earlier today in an article I read, um, you know, they're a completely different team the last two or three games than they were earlier in the year. Yeah, So they'll play their best game against the Hawks.
1: Yeah, Brock Purdy never had a chance to get that win against Iowa, and now his little That's brother okay. might be there to get some uh, family revenge. We hope not. Uh, well, the Huskers have been one win away from bowl eligibility for the last month. Big Red, desperate to play postseason football once again. Curtis Fader is in the studio to break down some of the pitfalls awaiting Iowa at Memorial Stadium this Saturday.
3: Nebraska and Iowa are alike in many ways stylistically as a team, and these Cornhuskers are a lot better than what the team's record shows. Four of Nebraska's losses were by one score, three of them by three points or fewer, and the fourth being an overtime loss to Wisconsin this past weekend. Like Iowa, the Cornhuskers have had some growing pains on offense, subpar quarterback play across the board this season. The team has used three different quarterbacks this year that could potentially start against the Hawkeyes, but last week the team got a bit of a spark out of a familiar name, Chubba Purdy. Younger brother of Brock Purdy, third on the death chart running scout team two weeks ago, but put together a solid performance with his arm and legs against Wisconsin. We'll see if the Hawkeye defense can send a message to whoever wins the game next week in Ann Arbor. And the biggest glimmer of hope Iowa can show at putting up a fight in Indy is putting up points against a very formidable Nebraska defense. Nebraska has given up on average less than 19 points per game this season and is not afraid of playing a gritty slugfest for a ball game probably also why the initial over-under betting line is set for a staggeringly low 27.5 points. While there may not be the highest of stakes in the grand scheme of the 2023 regular season, a good offensive performance like the Rutgers game a couple weeks ago can build major confidence for the team going into Lucas Oil Stadium the following week. There are obviously still some big things at stake Friday in Lincoln. It's always important to Hawkeye Nation to bring back the Heroes Trophy, but if Iowa wins, the Hawkeyes not only get to 10 wins, but also get to prevent Nebraska from being bowl eligible. Not a bad way to send off the regular season doing that to your
1: rival. And not a bad way to spend the holidays. Well, Jason, this Iowa team has been through so much this year. Injuries, you had everything surrounding the Noah Shannon gambling situation, the Brian Ferentz saga. How has this team been able to hold it all together and manage to get to this point where they're on the verge of
2: getting 10 wins this year? Uh, It looks to me like they've rallied around Brian. Mm -hmm. If you look at... uh... You know what's going on on the sideline and after the game I, I think you know, I think it's unfortunate he was let go in the middle of the season um, but um, it, it seems to me like the team has rallied rallied around him and then um, you know uh, the injury side of it too you know it's it's kind of next man in and the team team has rallied around that mm-hmm. and, and a lot of those guys that have gone down so it's you know this might go down as is one of Co- coach Ferentz's best coaching jobs
1: yeah uh you really saw the emotion on that team dumping some Gatorade onto Brian after yeah. that win against Illinois and he had just a smile a mile wide leaving the field on on Saturday yeah, I mean it's
2: was a tender moment with his dad in yeah. the hallway I saw a picture of you know yeah. um you know listen no matter what you think Brian's a good coordinator a bad coordinator I think Kirk has the right to pick his own staff and I think it's unfortunate that um that uh he was let go especially in the middle of the season like that
1: yeah yeah i i, I i'm i'm willing to pick your brain on that and hear what you got to say about yeah. that J- just because it sounds like i'm sure obviously kirk was not happy with the way the things went yeah. down but as as a coach too again from your perspective maybe maybe wasn't handled the, the way that things should have been handled
2: yeah i i think i mean at the end of the day yeah and, and kirk was here my first couple of years at iowa and, and you know um the door is always welcome to x hawks to go over there mm-hmm. and and Listen, you've got the Dean of Big Ten coaches. Uh, did he just pass Bo Leclerc yep. and wins or Saturday. just tied him or passed him? Um, I think it's very disrespectful uh, that you let his offensive coordinator go in the middle of the season like that. Um, like I said, r- regardless of what you think of Brian, good, bad, or indifferent, it's Kirk's team and he has the right to pick his staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to have some hard discussions about it after the season, I think that's that's perfectly legitimate. But I, I don't think it was handled well at all.
1: Yeah, um, I know that if I'm if I'm playing devil's advocate here, I know that the big reason why has to be the transfer portal. I mean, just knowing that there are guys who are going to want to be coming in, or you know, possibly Iowa guys who are going to be leaving. Do yeah. you think that that's the biggest thing that played a factor in this? Just kind of the new landscape of college football and NIL transfer portal, all
2: that stuff. Well, I don't know. I think it also can also go the the other direction, and, and it can be a negative as mm-hmm. well. Yep. Of you know, well, who is going to be the offensive coordinator? <laughs> and what is the system going to be? What system am I going to be playing under? Um, and so I think it can also go the other direction. Um, and you look at, uh, the way the guys have rallied around Brian, uh, here the last couple of games, they like him. Yeah. Right. Um, when you're dumping, uh, a Gatorade on your OC, <laughs> they like Brian. Yeah. Um, so whatever's happening, uh, around the peripheral, uh, really doesn't matter. It matters what's going on inside that room. And, um, You know, they've rallied around their coach.
1: Yeah, tough way to end it, too. I mean, we were there for the Hawk Walk on Saturday and saw him with his family. I mean, the the kids, you could see the motion even on Brian's kids, you know, knowing that this is the last game in Kinnick Stadium. It's tough to see. It's tough to see. just the way it's all happened for that family over the last couple of years. Yeah. Jason Dumont back with us to close up shop on Eye on the Hawks. Uh, Jason, before we go, I want to hear about your recent decision to step away from coaching at Regina. What's what's next on the table for you?
2: You know, time will tell, or I've got plenty of things to do. Um, You know, my son Gentry will have an opportunity to play somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to be able to go and watch those games and be part of that experience. Um, You know, it was a great 17-year run. As a high school coach, as an assistant head coach, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, And... uh, you know, it was just time with with him graduating to to step away from the game for a little bit here and and, and see where the paths lead lead me.
1: Yeah, is this the end of your coaching career, or do you think that you're going to end up back on the sidelines somewhere? Maybe once you know, uh, Gentry's run during
2: college is over. You, you never say never, and it's the it's the it's the competitor in me uh, and and the love of the game. Where you 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 do you know you have something to share and, and something to teach, and and you want to be able to do that. But at the same time, you know, um, there's a lot of things that I haven't done for the last 17 years in the fall that I, I want to be able to do. And, so I never say never, but I'm at peace with it right now.
1: I always like to ask this for former Hawkeyes who are in the studio. Uh, 89 to 92, I believe, was your tenure for the yeah. for the Hawkeyes. Yeah. Uh, outside, you played in some big bowl games: a Rose Bowl and a Sun Bowl, I think. Is that uh, right? A Rose
2: Bowl, Holiday Bowl, and a Peach. A pe- yeah, yeah. Uh, Pretty three
1: pretty big bowl yeah. games still, regardless. Yeah. Uh, outside of postseason games. What's maybe one game, one big game, or one big memory for you uh, being on the Hawkeye roster, anything that really stands out as one of your favorites?
2: You know, obviously lots of games and, and, and things like that. The the win at Ohio State, uh, the win at Michigan, uh, the win at Michigan State, uh, uh, the one at Ohio State after the the mass shooting at the University of Iowa uh, was kind of a somber time yeah. and, and uh, a big win for us. I, I think the biggest thing was, you know, um, and the thing you always miss the most uh, is being around your, your boys in the yeah. locker room. And, and and everybody will tell you that as well. That, that's what you miss the most. The uh, you know After the first couple of years, it's like, okay, I'm done. I don't miss the game stuff as much. And people don't realize, too. I mean, the games are fun, being around your guys. Are fun. Practice isn't necessarily a lot of fun, <laughs> all right? So you don't really miss that part yeah. of it.
1: You get you get 12 or 13 chances to have fun. And then there's a lot of not so much fun in between. Well,
2: and, you know, football's the only game uh, where you work year round and you only get thir- 12, 13, maybe 14 chances to actually play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, there's a lot invested in it for, you know, very few opportunities.
1: Who are some of your boys from those early 90s teams? Anybody that you're still keeping in touch? Oh, with?
2: yeah. Mike Saunders and I are still good friends. Okay. Uh, uh, Bioma actually was my roommate uh, in ah, college, and, right. and my road guy for a while. I don't. I, <laughs> we text once in a while, but you know, obviously he's busy over with Illinois. But yeah. you know, all those guys, um, uh, we still keep in touch. There's a big tailgater before the Hawkeye games. It's just uh, for the the Iowa guys, so we'll go over there. I'll see Jimmy Hartlib and. Uh, John Derby and Saunders and a lot of those guys that uh, we still stay in touch.
1: Had you in the studio a week too late. Should have had you in for the for the Illinois game. Talk about give us the, oh, the tea on Bielema, no, no, as it no, no, were. No, no. All right, well, let's get to our week 13 game picks. Only two regular season weeks left for the Hawkeyes. Uh, for, first, we've got the battle for the Axe, two of Iowa's biggest rivals facing off against each other with a win. Minnesota can become bull eligible. They're also trying to battle the Badgers for the third straight year. Excuse me, beat the Badgers for the third straight year. The last time the Gophers did that was 87, Wisconsin, a two-point favorite. Who do you like in this one, Jason?
2: Uh, I like Wisconsin. (laughs) You know, they're coming off a a, a big overtime win last week. And, um, you know, Minnesota's been struggling here lately. I'm going to take the Badgers. Yeah,
1: uh, Wisconsin's underperformed a little bit the last few weeks, but you got to think they've got the talent to beat this Minnesota team. Uh, Next, the game on Fox 28 at noon on Saturday. Biggest game in the Big Ten this season, maybe the biggest game in college football this year. Second ranked Ohio State traveling to the big house to take on Michigan, both teams 11-0. Winner gets Iowa in the Big Ten title game next week in Indy. Uh, Right now, Michigan, a three and a half point favorite. Jason, who would you like to see Iowa play in that game, Ohio State or Michigan?
2: Boy, um, we probably, uh, Michigan maybe? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Just a good old Iowa-Michigan showdown. Yep. Um, but I'm going, to take, I'm going to take the Buckeyes to go in there. Uh, they've been, they've been uh, had a tight game with Rutgers. You know, they've been tested a little bit. I say they go in there and upset the Wolverines.
1: Not a lot of people have been able to keep up with Marvin Harrison Jr. this year. Well, That's now right. back to the Black Friday clash between the Big Ten West champion, Iowa Hawkeyes, and the Huskers. Nebraska needing a win to play in a bowl game. Iowa trying for its 10th win. Nebraska favored, actually, right now by a point and a half. Uh, they, I, I assume you're going to pick the Hawkeyes to win this one. But do they win comfortably, or is this maybe just a one-two point game again?
2: I'm, I'm going with two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Here's the thing. Um, if we can stop the running game, and you just got to keep Purdy in the pocket, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you keep Purdy in the pocket, he's going to throw up some picks.
1: Yep, yeah. This Nebraska team is prone to turnovers, yep. big time, interceptions and fumbles. And so you could see that. You just contain a him.
2: He's going to throw the ball up. We'll get a few.
1: We want to thank Jason Newman again for coming uh, coming in and joining us in the studio Appreciate on the holiday you. week. Thanks enjoy for the holidays coverage, too. Happy Thanksgiving, and enjoy the game on Friday.